Welcome to Hot Plate, a post-foodie podcast. I'm your host, Mirella Amato. Today on Hot Plate, the impact of the coronavirus on our pantries, our bars and restaurants, and our farms. And then some resourceful responses from the industry. Hey, Mirella, how are you? I'm good. It's interesting to be recording remotely. It is all a little bit wild, admittedly, yes. These are but we weird are times. safely isolated From in our each homes. Other. Mm-hmm. Uh, but still connected, here we are. The magic of the internet. Mm-hmm. Very nice. So how have you been faring in these times of uh, isol- home isolation? Uh, you know, I have to actually confess to you that mm-hmm. being a freelancer and writing a book uh, has been perfect uh, rehearsal for self-isolation uh, yep. because I am quite happy to toil around by myself in my apartment uh, I, and, and I'm getting lots of calls from my people to check in which is very kind and lovely of them uh, but they are going much crazier than I am oh yeah uh, I right? could I'm see sure that. if I had children and other people I may have a different story to tell but right now uh, I actually am like uh, my, my video chat bookings are a little too full for my liking. I'll be honest, <laughs> everybody, this needs to slow down a little bit. Uh, how are you doing, love? I'm good. I must say I'm also appreciating the fact that all my friends are reaching out. I think there's going to be some quality catch up time. Yeah. And like you, I also freelance so that it didn't really hit me, you know, the no. the full extent of what was going on. Um until things started getting canceled. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, that's yeah. not fun. I mean, we're all in the same boat. Anyone who's not on salary right now is likely going to see. You Ooh, know. To see the crash of all of the gigs. Yeah. That was no joke, right? It was about like the end of last week and the week before. It was just like, oh, we're done. That's it. Okay. Yeah. So I do most of my work from home. So for now, things are all right. But it is it is worrisome and certainly some... Some of the people I was going to be working with have let me know that they're hesitating now because they don't know, you know, how much of a financial impact this is going to have. On a positive or interesting note, uh, I've had to adapt my cooking because, you know, we're being advised to do a big shop and then not shop for an extended period of time. And I'm generally good with that, with the exception of vegetables. All of the Mm -hmm. vegetables I buy are pretty highly perishable. So, you know, I'm trying to figure out how to cook with carrots and leeks and and squash. And for me, it's a really fun adventure, but um, it has caused me to adapt. And I can't even imagine for people who generally don't cook Yes. You know what this is like. But yep. I thought you'd be happy to know that uh, tell me. I cooked with Marmite. Woo! What did you make? I was sauteing some celery and leeks and I was going to mix them in with some rice. And it was too late to get into the soup stock. But I felt it really needed that kind of flavor. Right. I had some Herbe de Provence and I just needed a little more oomph. So yeah, I threw in a spoonful of Marmite and it totally did the trick. Mm-hmm. Delicious. I made a beef stew. I simmered a beef stew the other day, and right at the end, put in a spoonful of Marmite, uh, nice. and fi- and it finished it perfectly. The only the one thing that uh, I've ended up with is a too salty stew because I did not figure in enough for the saltiness of the Marmite. Ooh, yes. Whereas but I added it uh, specifically because I needed that salt, right, and that round, uh, it, and I didn't want to just put salt in. 
But the truth is, Marmite is a perfect pandemic isolation pantry item. Yes, absolutely. Right? It's a perfect thing to have with the fla- the tiny flavor bomb. You, it's the condensed. You don't need all those cartons of liquid, right? Mm-hmm. All of these things make it a very smart thing to do. And it's got those great vitamins in it for vegetarians. So That's it. Sweet. I've also am very excited. I've purchased everything I need to make those scones from the last oh, yeah. episode. And I just wanted to let our listeners know that if those scones sounded good to you, we did post the recipe in the yes. show notes for the Marmite episode. So if you're looking for something to bake, uh, I'm certainly baking them tomorrow. And then I'm going to have a little uh, virtual afternoon tea with a friend over the How interwebs. Nice. Yeah. Um, so yes, I'd, I'd say overall for me, it's been it's been positive, but it is uh, there's been a little bit of anxiety And especially actually around shopping and what should I get and how much should I buy, which is why I was so excited when you brought us this first article. Yes. Yes. I thought it's super helpful. I'm seeing a lot of these tips about stocking your pantry for a crisis. Uh, And I thought uh, let's like and and it's clear that we're in this for a lengthy period of time. So what are we going to how do we actually do this? Right. And it's great that there's actually a method that you could follow. Mm -hmm. I found it incredibly useful so oh i'm so i'm so happy to hear it yeah i'm really happy to hear it these things are really instinctive for me but i am not your average bear in this particular conversation right (laughs) right Uh, so it is an important uh to note it all uh and I, one of the things that really struck me about this piece when I read it was the reminder that when things like this pandemic happen, it really tests our resilience in so many ways. Our personal resilience, our collective resilience, and our systems resilience, yes. right? And uh, and particularly around food system stuff, of course, that's what I pay attention to. Um, but I, and I liked the suggestion of the author that focusing on food is a way to, to sort of temper the stress and the intensity of of the fact that there is, in fact, a virus rolling around the planet that is, you know what I mean, that is potential, yeah. has the potential to kill us. It is self-care. Uh, yeah, yeah. Taking and that time to like, shop. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. and, and, and while things are happening here, in the, you know, we're still eating good meals and we're continuing with, uh, with lives until, you know, we get noticed to do anything else. Uh, and I've really uh, I've really appreciated that. And it's it's solid wisdom. Right. I think that there's there's crisis planning in this in this article. And that's really helpful at dry beans and this sort of thing. Well, shall we but go I through think- the list? Because I thought it was a super helpful yeah, list. Yeah. Go for it. Go for it. Well, the, the first thing that hit me right off the bat is uh, the mention, you know, to remember to have a 30 day supply of your uh, prescription medication in yes. addition to your food. Uh, I have asthma. So as soon as I heard that it was a higher risk situation, I made sure my Ventolin was up to date. That's smart. But what this article really reminded me about is all the the vitamins that I take daily. Yes, and supplements and things. Some of which I cannot function without. And I'm not sure if health food stores are going to be considered, you know, necessary, you know, when they shut everything down, which is inevitably going to happen. So I I went out and topped up all my having enough vitamins now for 30 days. And it's not exactly food, but it just, uh, I, I thought that reminder was super helpful. And it is, for some people, an important part of their nutrition, right? Yeah. Um, so you want to make sure that that's not going to run out. Then, of course, the next thing on the item was, was staples, which I had down pat. So your beans, your yeah. rice, your pasta, and your nuts. Although 
I didn't I didn't appreciate this particular list because I don't I never use beans and I never use nuts. So my list oh, is a little funny. bit different. But the idea of the staples, the things that you always cook with and that are never going to go bad. You know, I was previously worried about buying too much pasta or too much rice. And the point they make in the article is really accurate, which is, you know, once this blows over, you're still going to be eating what you always eat. Yeah, exactly. And you'll get through exactly. those things. <laughs> it's not like you're not going to eat. This is just a temporary fix. Yeah. Uh, that is true. That was really helpful. Uh, lentil. The I've seen it's been really funny to see because everyone went so deep on the beans and the lentils. Mm-hmm. Uh, yet perhaps not everybody really knows how to cook beans and lentils or what right. to actually do with them. Like, uh, I bought them because it's a crisis and I was shopping, and, but I don't know what to do now. <laughs> uh, so I, I was actually thinking that I should uh, get a couple of bean and lentil recipes and we'll post them on the website for folks. Oh, that if would be you great. did some stockpiling and now you don't know what to do with these things. Uh, they're delicious. Uh, and the beans especially will take the time that you have in social isolation to soak and boil uh, and get them ready for action. Yeah. Or if you bought can- canned beans, you're good to go. Yeah. You're good to go. So I like to also the note of, you know, in frozen foods to make sure you get a variety and you're not just hoarding one thing. Yes. Just go hard on green I think, peas. Yeah. yeah. Uh, when you're in panic mode, it's easy to just grab a bunch of one thing and right. uh, not think about that variety. So I, I really appreciate that. And that's also going to come in handy, you know, should this all blow over in two mm-hmm. weeks and you have this yep. extra food around again, you don't want to be stuck with tons and tons of the same thing. Yes. Um, Green beans forever. And I also learned a word in this article, alliums. Oh, no way, Mirella. You didn't know that word? I did. No. Oh, that's a good one. I was like, what are they talking about it? And and then then I dug in. I was like, oh, very important. Yeah. Right. So I don't know exactly what alliums means, but they were referring to like the garlic or the onions, whatever it is that you fry up first to, to flavor things. Is that what that yes, means? Yes, you got it. It's all the stuff that we in the kitchen called aromatics. Okay. Right? Those things with roots that grow close in, you know, in and close to the ground like that. Garlic, shallots, onions, leeks, all those things uh, are alliums. I tell you, Josh, it's going to be a challenge for me, the leeks. Uh, I love the flavor yeah. of leeks. I just, I don't know. Uh, I did this. I did this frying with the marmite uh, and some. I mixed it with some some barley, and it was quite lovely. But I'm just struggling to figure out how I'm going to branch out with the because when I think leeks, I think Alpe de Provence, Frenchy tasting things. No, no, no. My brain doesn't go anywhere else. Just treat leek like an onion. Okay, just put it. Just treat it like an onion. Yeah, 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 yeah. They all serve the same purpose. Right. The other day I made a curry with just the white bits of the scallion that I didn't use previously. Mm-hmm. Okay. You know what I mean? Totally fine. Totally fine. Oh, fully just, interchangeable. Just toss them just in go there. Go for it. Just do it. Just go for it. Okay. Exactly. All right. I'll, right? I'll be the more biggest experimental with, the with leaks my leaks. <laughs> totally should be the biggest irritation with leaks should be cleaning them. Right. And having to wash, you know, run all those different layers under the tap because all the sand gets stuck in there. But Oops. Just treat them like an onion and you're good. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I haven't chopped it to any sand yet. Okay. Fine. <laughs> fine. If you haven't crunched any sand, you're good. Um, so, and then the other pieces were uh, canned fish, obviously yep. citrus, uh, obviously. Although I think not everyone uses citrus regularly. Listen, at but this it's point good in to the game, even around. just in cocktails, yeah. Anyway, back to the list. The last thing I thought was 
really good and which I, I had neglected in my initial shop. So I went back and focused on it was this notion of flavor bombs. Oh, yeah. So make sure you pick up, you know, like your Parmesan, your hot totally. sauce, all these things that I'm a big make anchovy things deli- fan. Yeah. Delici- that make things delicious. And especially in these times, I have to say, where I'm dealing with, I'm just going to keep talking about these foreign vegetables because they're, they're haunting me. You know, I bought three squash and I know exactly, no, I know two ways to prepare squash. I, it's very curious to me that squash and leek are foreign vegetables. Well, I, I really am into my leafy greens. And so that's sort of where my happy place is. And they're oh, all of the recipes that I make. Or the leafy greens are interchangeable. Our greens, um, okay. But you know, there's only you know, I bought a few, but a week from now, I'm not going to the grocery store again, so I'm going to be dipping into these. Yeah, but I totally. re- do I remember. Squash. Yeah, mm-hmm. go ahead. Go I remember ahead. once when I was in Italy, I made uh, a risotto with something called zucca, which is generic squash slash pumpkin yeah. so yeah. i'm hoping i can do that with i have i bought acorn squash and and butternut squash which one would you Great. recommend i do it with probably the butternut eh either the trick with the acorn is just sort of a pain to clean okay but the butternut right? is in a the, little bit sweeter uh, not substantially enough no okay no nope. oh so maybe i'll make both risottos and we'll see how it turns out yeah yeah and i'm gonna send you a really awesome squash taco recipe fun Making refried beans with the black, the canned beans that I'm sure you've got waiting. Oh, no. Yeah, there's no beans in the house. <laughs> That'll be a, a post-isolation recipe. There you go. Then. Once I've made my peace with these veggies. Have you brought in anything foreign and new? For me, uh, I have a pretty generously stocked pantry most times. And I have realized that I am going to dive into like a lot of the weird things that are in there. Right. I'm waiting to hear this. I think not enough time has passed yet, Mm -hmm. but I get gifted a lot of weird things. Right. So I have like uh, cans of lemon oil or very specific, like pickled, preserved pomegranate seeds and kind of really esoteric things that you're not going to, you know, you're not going to grab for unless the recipe calls for it specifically. Mm -hmm. But we're not there yet because there's still all the other things in the pantry. We need it needs to get desperate enough so then that people are like, what do I do with argan oil? How, what can you know? How what what can Meyer lemon curd? What can we do with this? Nice. Uh, that's the kind of stuff that I am excited about. All the weird and the things that I bring from other parts of the world when I go on vacation. Mm-hmm. Right. I'm always collecting things that sort of end up in the back corners, and I'm like, all right, weird pickled quince. What are we gonna do with each other? Well, that would turn your uh, time of isolation into a fun challenge if you totally. just grabbed one of those ingredients yeah. every day and made something with yeah. it. Yeah. Ooh, that's it. Yeah. That's fun. Yeah. All uh, your little that, I think bombs. that's the game I'm going to start playing. Exactly. But I think that, you know, the last thing probably we want to touch on here, which thankfully seems to be pretty much done. But the first time, the reason I ended up with all these uh, leeks and foreign vegetables is that when I did go to do my grocery shop, all, all of the frozen vegetables were gone. Right. And entire sections of the grocery yeah, store were wiped out. I think a lot of people are uh, overbuying. Mm-hmm. Uh, and certainly Definitely for there. a while they were hoarding. And I came across a wonderful interview with our friend, Dr. Charles Lebois. Yes. <laughs> and just talking about how robust our food chains are and that we really 
don't have to worry about that too much. There might be some fluctuations right, exactly. in pricing, especially things that come from countries that are super affected like Italy and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and because of what's going on with the dollar, but that otherwise we really, there's no reason to worry that the food is going to run out in yes, any way. It's a very premature panic. Yes. And, that was really reassuring for me to hear. And it was totally. again, reassuring a week later to go to the grocery store to do my, my big final shop and to see that everything had restocked. So what's next, Joshna? Okay. Here's uh, obviously this virus is really uh, the trickle down impact of all of this stuff is really intense. Um, and our industry, our bar and restaurant industry is feeling it in a very painful, painful way. Uh, and I really, I want to talk to you about it cause I'm sure you're see- I'd love to know what you're seeing on the beverage side of things, but I went out to get groceries a few days ago and literally just seeing these sad, pitiful notes on my friend's restaurant doors Right. With signs saying we've decided to close indefinitely. Right. The fact that people are closing. It's not like, hey, we're down for 10 days. We'll be back up on this date. The fact that they're like, we're down for the foreseeable future until we have other instruction. And that like my insides know exactly what that means. And it's it's awful. Right. It is awful to watch this happening on the beer side. I've seen a lot of breweries just pivot to um delivery right sales which you know would have been illegal a while back but now it's completely doable okay and so a lot of them are doing delivery or you can pick beer up and to go right um but the i mean the pubs are really they're all closed i saw footage of dublin on saint patrick's day evening uh, and it was like a ghost <laughs> town, right? It was a go. It was incredible to watch. Wow. Like when you know when Dublin goes quiet, and they and when Dublin cancels a St. Patrick's Day, uh, in a in a grand way, anyhow, you know that this is serious. That was really major to see. But I think it's also wonderful to see how seriously everyone's taking this. Yes, you know, I saw a comment the other day about the fact that you know the most isolated experience that we're all going through is also the most communal experience probably we've had in a while and that's what I'm reminded of in all these moments where I you know I'm looking out the window now there's no one out on the street and um you know everyone's everyone's gonna suffer yes but for sure the restaurants and the bars were I I think it's fair to say the first obvious casualties like it was pretty much immediate that they were asked to shut down Um, that's it and then for the immediate future um and even the when the the ones who weren't even before they were being asked to shut down it was empty yes you know no one was going that's exactly it um and so, I mean, the, the the brighter side of this is that in addition, like in paired with the sad messages about indefinite closures is also the sentiment about the fact that we will see the other side and that we as an industry will get through this together. Right. We're all mm-hmm. sinking. Uh, and so somehow we'll 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 all get our heads above the water together. And it really got me thinking about the fact that in our industry, we are constantly having to pivot and change and respond and be nimble enough right and this is just a very grand intense 
uh, example of that opportunity, you know what I mean? Of that nature. But this, we do this, we have the resilience, right? We absolutely, uh, I mean, unfortunately to say that we've gotten really good at taking hits like this and, and getting back up again, but, but we do right. And we will see it. And, and although it's really hard to see it at a moment like this, uh, I, I'm actually very curious to see what the face of this will look like once this virus passes through us, right? Yeah, and in the in the meantime, I'm really glad to see that the government is starting to think of how they can yes. help us out. There's certainly subsidies uh, available for Canadians who are losing their jobs or are facing reduced hours, not necessarily yeah. sick, just you know, un right, being just told not, not to go to work. Yeah. I also saw a subsidy to help businesses keep their workers. So right. they're creating some kind of temporary wage subsidy for a few months, which is great. And the, you know, the tax assistance and the credits, I mean, it's only time will tell if this is enough and only time mm -hmm. will tell if the government will do more and how this will all trickle down. But uh, at the end of the day, I just think it, again, it's great that everyone is complying. <laughs> Yes. And, that, you know, even though they're facing this really uncertain future, I mean, in the article that you sent me, what really hit me, which I, I had thought about in passing, but, it, you know, it really came together for me. This chef was talking about how they decided to completely close mm -hmm. because even with doing takeout, they would still be asking their workers to come in and still That's potentially it. be putting That's it. their workers at risk and you know now we know that this virus in some people is asymptomatic we know it yes. lives for two to three days on you know on packaging on, on hard surfaces, surfaces. Yeah. so you know any interaction that can be avoided should be avoided mm -hmm. and the fact that they're you know that they it's made true. this decision and facing all this uncertainty again it just really reminds me that we're all in this together and that you know everyone is is uh you know making difficult decisions yeah well and we are we're in this together around the world yep that's the other piece like all restaurants are feeling this i'm i was reading messages from pals in australia about what's happening and and it's not to say that they've had an easy run of it up until this point right the poor right the country was on fire for all this time and that was enough of a deal and now they're dealing with this um and so there i'm actually really once we all get our head above the water and the danger mm -hmm. you know what i mean has passed to see with the rubble that's left <laughs> yeah. the new thing that we're going to build is going to be really, really exciting. Uh, so hang in there, friends out there with restaurants. Uh, we'll, we'll get through this. We really will. And something really fascinating and new and interesting will show up. Yep. And, you know, again, the adaptability will only be stronger. Okay. So, uh, Obviously, when we're talking uh, impact of coronavirus around the world, there's multifaceted trickle down impacts. And yeah. one of the things that I saw was the impact of the tra of travel bans and border closures on farms. Right. I and had not thought of here. This. 
Yeah. Right. This the tr- the trickle down of this was really really important. So essentially, what we're talking about is the fact that travel bans, so banning people from certain countries and closing borders, like our you know what I mean recently our border has just closed down uh, to non-essentials and officials, meant that migrant labor cannot move across borders. Right. right. Which means that now farms are sitting on a harvest um, and which is da- dangerous. Right. That's obviously that's literally their money in the ground. Uh, that's not out because uh, because the, the folks aren't there to actually do this work. Uh, and I just the one thing that this crisis is teaching me specifically so clearly and the rest of us, you know, if we decide to pay attention is the reality of our interconnectedness. Yeah. As humans, this Mm -hmm. is beyond systems and beyond machines. We still are people on this planet and we really are connected to each other in a way that is quite invisible, let's say, to many of us. Uh, And I appreciated this piece uh, with the reminder there that like when one thing falls, it has huge impacts on everything else because we are connected and food also. Right. Is this thing that really binds people to each other. Well, yeah, I was surprised to see in this article that 60,000 workers usually cross in around this time yeah. of year. To have, that's a lot that's of people. And I think uh, some of them have already come in and I believe they're staying. But this is, you know, going to require, again, adaptability. That's it. And, and that's have a large number of people to replace. That's exactly it. And, and since this, uh, since I sent this over, uh, for your consideration, the the border has been opened up to workers. There has been a provision that has allowed the tra- you know what I mean the movement of workers across the border for okay. this for this very issue. This has delightfully been resolved, let's say for the moment, uh, and folks, particularly uh, from Mexico. Uh, and parts of the U.S. Uh, have made it up to here, which is the, it's like their usual annual run, right? This right. is a very sort of regular piece of of, of work and labor that happens here. Um, but I was I was grateful for the reminder. Hopefully they'll be safe, though. I'm just also hoping that these workers do have the option, the choice, if they want to, to decide not to come for their own safety. I mean, certainly being on an airplane is is not right. a great place to be in this time. Yeah. Uh, it's a, that's a really good point, just density of any sort. Uh, and another important reality to consider is that the accommodation that exists, however uh, clean and comfortable and, and well-suited over here, is, is shared accommodation. Right. It's like one for these workers on farms here in Canada. It's uh, uh, the only version I've ever seen has been sort of one house or one cabin. Um, And so workers would have very little to no opportunity for actual isolation. Well, I hope this is being considered. I know that uh, an agriculture, the agricultural minister had put together this working group to sort of try to solve this issue. So I'm guessing it's her team that managed to get the borders open again and hopefully yeah. they're addressing this all the way through to the living conditions. I mean, we need them. They need the work. I understand, mm-hmm. but but at what um, cost? Yeah. yeah. I just hope they're being as safe as possible. So these of course are challenging times, but it's been interesting to see how some companies are pivoting to better serve the community. So we've each picked one story to highlight on a more positive note. 
Mm-hmm. It is. There's a lot of innovation and, and excitement happening out there. I saw a piece about some restaurants in Los Angeles who have flipped to being corner stores. So great. Right. And I think it's so smart. Uh, and there's and the sweet thing is, one, they're able to move their inventory, obviously, which is the key piece. The second piece is that the restaurants are located in neighborhoods, in communities. So they're actually, it's actually quite useful. So people have to venture out too far to a grocery store. And then the third piece that I saw that is quite lovely is the like, is that these, these restaurant kitchens have some level of fancy ish ingredients. So if you're really hunting down vanilla beans and sumac or, you know what I mean? What right. a foie or, you know, whatever it is, it's quite likely that they've got it. Uh, right. And that they just tables, food on tables, come in, pick up the kit for what you need and get cooking yourself. Uh, I was like, I had a nice, happy exhale being like that. It makes a lot of sense. And that feels like a good idea. It's also lovely because a lot of them work with local farmers and local producers. Yes. So if you're purchasing there, you're supporting both that restaurant uh, and these local suppliers. So I love it. I love it. Just, what have you seen? The one thing that I've noticed, and it's happening all around the world, Europe, China, US, and Canada, is these breweries and distilleries turning right. their attention to making hand sanitizer. Right. So the Wor- World Health Organization has provided some guidelines on how to make hand sanitizers. I don't know if you saw those warnings. I think it was Taito's vodka. When when hand sanitizer ran out, people started buying vodka to use as hand sanitizer. But the Tito's was not enough. It's not high enough alcohol. So there's nothing really in the house that you can use. So the very, very large breweries are just producing tons of pure alcohol and they're shipping it to the companies that make the sanitizer to supply uh, hospitals and pharmacies and things like that. The medium-sized breweries and distilleries are making hand sanitizers and putting it in cute little containers, and they're selling it either to grocery chains or donating it, donating it to food banks or homeless shelters or you know restaurants where people yep. are still working for takeout. Some of them are being a little clever and using them as gift with purchase. You know, <laughs> buy buy a little bottle of gin and you get a little bottle of sanitizer. Smart. Um. And then I saw, because of course the they have the ability to make the alcohol, but the packaging is tricky. But I saw there is this right, uh, this company in Alberta that is making hand sanitizers and just putting it in, in cans, in beer cans, and then you can use it oh as a gosh. refill because everyone's got the containers at home, right? So of you just course. unscrew your container, uh, refill it in. And I've seen other ones doing it, you know, essentially in bulk or on draft. So you can walk in with your hand sanitizer container and just refill oh my them. God. So I like, I like that the, the, the social values of the day are still to be maintained yeah. right in the, in the no single use containers. I love that. That is awesome. People are great. It's just that same adaptability, right? Working with yeah. what you have and trying to find a way to make a difference and to help. And yeah, it's lovely I to love see. it. It's super encouraging. These are challenging times. Hang in there, friends. We'll be back at you next week with more Hot Plate. And in the meantime, if you're looking for kitchen inspiration, we'll post some recipes on the website that you can try. Stay safe. If you're enjoying our podcast, please leave a 
rating or review. It helps others find us. Hotplate is part of the Frequency Podcast Network. Original music by Dave Bell. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at HotPlatePod. Follow me at Virology on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. And follow Joshna at Joshna Maharaj on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Hotplate is produced by Mirella Amato, that's me, and Dennis Coyne. Thanks for listening. Thank you.